take the easy route, don't we? Because it's easy. I mean, who wants to take the hard route, right? Who wants to be the person blazing the trail where no one's gone before? We just want to be on the nice, through the wide gate, on the easy road. Everyone's on it. It's fun. But it leads to where? To destruction. So God said, I don't want the Ark of the Covenant on a cart anyway, but they did it. They weren't heeding the voice of the Lord in His Word. When you give gifts, you probably try to consider what a person might like and then buy it. But what if they required an extensive list of gifts, ones that were difficult to get or maybe assemble? Would you love them enough to do it or go easy on yourself and get something quickly? As Pastor Daniel reads from this portion of Numbers, we'll hear a detailed list of the gifts that the people brought to the Lord, a difficult task performed out of love. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Gifts for God. We know we're set apart, but we kind of don't really want to be. We kind of like being just common and normal. But God's like, no, no, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body's not your own. What you do with your body matters because my spirit takes up residence in you. So don't think of yourself as common. Think of yourself as set apart, just like the tabernacle. You see, those two words are powerful. It's anointed and consecrated. And then look at what happens. In in verse two, the leaders of Israel and the heads of their father's houses who were leaders of the tribe and over those who were numbered made an offering. Now, we met all of these folks in chapters one and two. So if you, if you missed the names or you're looking for good baby names, go back to chapter one and two. You get a whole list of names, boy names. You don't want, well, you can name the girls the boy names too if you want to. We're in that kind of a culture, no problem, right? And so, so there's a whole list of names. So each one of them, they begin to bring offerings, right? And if you notice, the offering is carts, and cattle. Carts and cattle. So the idea, now remember, all of these carts and cattle, because the Levite's job was to be able to break down the tabernacle and move it to wherever they're going. They haven't come to a settled place. They're still pilgrims at this point. And you guys know that they're going to be traveling in the wilderness for 40 years before they actually make it into the promised land. So these cattle and these carts were designed to be able to transport the tabernacle and all the stuff that goes along with it. And so the Levites need this help. And when they break down the carts and the cattle, what you find, of course, is that one of the tribes didn't get any. Why? Because for the most holy things, they weren't allowed to go on carts. Do you remember that? How Gershon and Merari and Kohath, they all had, there was a division of labor. And the Kohathites were only allowed to actually carry the Ark of the Covenant. They were only allowed to carry all the things that were in the holy place. And so it's amazing because they didn't get any carts. Now, if that was 21st century, they'd be like, I can't believe God doesn't love the Kohathites. He didn't give them any carts or cattle. 
And he made him carry that stuff. I mean, where's the help? Where's the love? Now, what do you learn from that? Is that God does not have kind of an even Stephen view of how things should be dispersed. God says, look, I'm going to give everyone according to their, what does it say? To their service. According to their service. According to their need. So what does that teach us? We shouldn't compare ourselves with each other. Paul in the church in Corinth, the first letter says, they who judge themselves by themselves are what? They're not wise. See, we choose to define ourselves based on how we're stacking up next to the next person or our peer group, but God doesn't view us that way. God provides for each one according to their service, according to the work that they're doing. And the Kohathites, they didn't need oxen and they didn't need carts because God says, look, I, that stuff that you're carrying is so holy, I don't even want it to go on a cart. You get the privilege of bearing that burden on your own. Now, I bring that up because I am sure that in our lives, we are struggling with areas of our life because we're like, well, why does that person get that? What about me, Lord? They're such a scoundrel and you're blessing them. And I'm so good, even though I'm judging the snot out of them. And, you know, I'm so good. And what do I get? And they get carts and oxen, and I got to carry this stuff all by my own. They got a, they got a golf caddy. I got to carry my own bag. We do that, don't we? We do that. Because that's the way we are. But God wants to remind us we are not in competition with anybody else. And God's love for you is not based on what he gives you, based on what he gives somebody else. God loves you because he loves you. And God's love for us has nothing to do with our performance, has everything to do with God's nature. So don't stack yourself up or don't view yourself based on how you relate to somebody else who you think is in the same place as you. God gives to each one according to their service. Each one of the Levitical tribes needed a different amount of carts given what they were asked to do by God. And God provides each one with exactly what they need. So what I want to encourage you to do is that when you find yourself looking at someone else and be like, oh, why do they get that? And they get that. And what's up with that? You just got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I just want to rejoice in what you've given me. And Lord, help me to be faithful to the service you've asked of me. And if we can do that, it takes away all the competition. And then you can rejoice with people who rejoice. Why? Because the reason we don't rejoice with people who rejoice oftentimes is because we're embittered that we're not getting what they're getting. Can we just admit we do that? One of the, the most profound examples of that for me, I may have told it before, I don't remember. When I was a pastor in New Jersey, there was these two gals and they were prayer partners and they were both were having a hard time getting pregnant, Right? And so they were, they were like prayer sisters. They would get together and we would pray for them and they were trying, they're trying, they're trying, trying. And sure enough, all of a sudden one day, one of the gals came in and she had like the pregnancy glow. You know, before the pregnancy, you know, green thing that goes on. You know, the morning, it was like, it was like you just found out and even if you were a little morning sick, you didn't even care because you're so excited. And she came into church and she was just beaming. And the other girl, I'll never forget it because I was, I was watching the other girl just got white as a ghost, started crying and just left, right? And that's like a, a kind of a normal reaction, right? But what happened was, of course, as God always has a tendency to do, about three months later, the other girl got pregnant. And then you know what she did? 
she apologized to the first guy. She said, I didn't rejoice with you because I was too busy thinking, why did you get pregnant and not me? When I should have just been happy for you because your timing is different from my timing. How often do we miss out on rejoicing with somebody because we feel that they got something we deserved? And when the Bible says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice, we can do that when our identity is not tied to us living up to some standard that God is doing in someone else's life. You could imagine if the Levitical tribes were not careful, they'd be like, well, he got six and he got four and I got, he got none, you know? God must really love that guy and really doesn't love that. He's got to carry it up themselves. But that had nothing to do. God was distributing what was needed, each according to their service. Each one according to their service. And, you know, if you think about it, the tribe of Kohath in verse 9, who gets known, they, they're also the ones who are blessed with the most holy things. And sometimes when God has given you something special, the burden is a little heavier. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay that the tribe of Kohath, they, they got to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now, how many of you guys remember the story when the guy died because he tried to prop up the Ark of the Covenant on the cart? Yeah, you remember that story, don't you? People say, I can't believe, remember, they found the Ark of the Covenant, they're trying to bring it to Jerusalem, and the guy tried, the cart kind of, saw, and a guy touched it, and he died right there. He's like, I can't believe God would do it. It was never supposed to be on a cart in the first place. God didn't design it to go on a cart. He designed it to be carried by people. Why? You know why, right? Because the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of who? Jesus. Jesus. The whole thing's a picture of Jesus. And when, if you could just stick Jesus on a card, it means that you can make it easier for Jesus. It's the same sin that Satan tried to make Jesus commit when he said, look, man, I'll give you all, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus is like, no. Why? Because what's Satan trying to say? He's like, I'll give you the kingdoms without the cross. I'll give it to you now. Jesus knew he was the king of kings and lord of lords. He knew that the only way to the crown was through the cross. And Satan's like, no, no, no. I'll give you the easy way out. You can take a shortcut. I'll give it to you now. There's going to be no being forsaken by God. There's going to be no death on the cross. None of that stuff. I'll just give it to you right now. And oftentimes, we want to take the easy route, don't we? Because it's easy. I mean, who wants to take the hard route, right? Who wants to be the person blazing the trail where no one's gone before? We just want to be on the nice, through the wide gate, on the easy road. Everyone's on it. It's fun. But it leads to where? To destruction. So God said, I don't want the Ark of the Covenant on a cart anyway. But they did it. They weren't heeding the voice of the Lord in his word. So think about it. That's all just the setup. Look what happens in verse 10. It says, Now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the altar. For the Lord said to Moses, verse 11, They shall offer their offering one leader each day for the dedication of the altar. So what you have now is that there is a dedication offering for the tabernacle. And this is going to be a long, drawn-out procession. One leader per day bringing their gift. Now, starting in verse 12 and going all the way to verse 83, 
we're going to see the offering. So I'm going to read them all to you. So I want you to read along with me. If, uh, if I pass out, someone just start crying out out there. It's a long passage. Now here's the deal, though. If anyone falls asleep, it's the one time I'll give you the opportunity to slap the person next to you if they fall asleep in church. <laughs> but you'll slap. It's a love slap. It's tough love. But, but no, seriously, because what you're going to find is as I read this, you're going to keep hearing the same things over and over and over again in almost the exact same language with just like one or two words different. But because I believe God's words got power and I got in trouble for this before, I'm not going to skip over it unless you guys think I'm unspiritual. Okay? So everybody read along. Picking up in verse 12, it says this, And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Aminadab from the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver platter, the rate of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb, in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in the first year. This was the offering of nation the son of Aminadab. Verse 18, on the second day, Nathanel, the son of Zaur, leader of Issachar, presented an offering. For his offering, he offered one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering. One gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, in the first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five ram, five male goats, and five male lambs in the first year. This was the offering of Nethanel, the son of Zuar. Verse 24. On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, leader of the children of Zebulun, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels and one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering and for the sacrifice of the peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats and five male lambs in the first year, this was the offering of Eliab, the son of Helon. You guys having fun? Should I keep going? Okay, we'll keep going. Verse 30. As I strolled to stay awake, on the first day, Eliezer, the son of Shedeur, leader of the children of Reuben, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Eleazar, the son of Shedeur. Verse 36, on the fifth day, Shalumiel, the son of Jerusadai. I really like those names. The longer, the better for me. I like them. That's not in the Bible. Sorry. Side commentary. Leader of the children of Simeon, verse 36, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels. You guys are getting it. One silver bowl of 70 shekels, 
according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels. We're having fun now, full of incense, one young bull, one male, one ram, one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering. One kid of the goats as a sin offering and as the sacrifice of a peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in the first year. This was the offering of Shalumiel, the son of Zerusadai. Verse 42, on the sixth day, Elisaphath, the son of Deuel, leader of the children of Gad, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl on 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Elisaphat, the son of Deuel. On the seventh day, this is verse 48, Elishama, the son of Amahud, the leader of the children of Ephraim, presented an offering. His offering was one silver plate of the weight of which you always want to make a song out of this, don't you? But I'm going to keep going. Where was I? I got lost. I'm going to start at the beginning again. No, just kidding. <laughs> Verse 49. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and the five male lambs in the first year. This was the offering of Elishema, the son of Amihud. Verse 54, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur, leader of the children of Manasseh, presented an offering. His offering was one silver... I, don't, I often don't run out of words, but I'm getting tired here. Okay, verse 55. One, his offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in its first year. This was the offering of Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. Verse 60, on the ninth day, Abidan, the son of Gedeoni, which you gotta like, that's an Italian version of Gideon. Sorry. Sorry. Leader of the children of Benjamin presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering. One gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense. One young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in his first year as a burnt offering. One kid of the goats as a sin offering. And as the sacrifice of peace offerings, let me guess, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in the first year, this was the offering of Abidon, the son of Gideoni. Now, if there was ever a time you wish you had tag team preaching, it's probably about right now. Just tap a guy on. Come on out, I'm tired. Verse 66, on the 10th day, Ahazir, 
the son of Amadishabdai, leader of the children of Dan, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, and five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year, this was the offering of Ahazur, the son of Aminashadai. Verse 72, on the 11th day, Pagiel, the son of Akran, leader of the children of Asher, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull one ram and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Pagael, the son of Akron. And now, praise the Lord on verse 78, on the twelfth and final day. It doesn't say final in there. Ahira, the son of Enon, you're going to help me with this one, leader of the children of Naphtali, presented an offering. Come on. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil. I didn't understand what you guys just said. Well, <laughs> as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, go for it. Two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Ahira, the son of Anon. Bam! There we go. Now, what's great is you're never going to forget all these offerings, right? You're just going to find yourself walking down the street and be like, 130 shekels and seven shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and you're just going to remember this, and you're going to think to yourself, why do I go to Wednesday night church? Anyway... <laughs> now, we met all of the leaders of the tribes in chapters 1 and 2, and now that I've read all of them, you realize that every single tribe gave the exact same offering. There is not one deviation in that entire list. Each one of the 12 tribes gave the exact same offering. So a silver plate that was 130 shekels in weight was approximately 65 ounces. It's not a small silver plate. A silver basin, 70 shekels, about 35 ounces. There was a bunch of incense. There was a gold dish, which was about five ounces. Jesus is Webster's Dictionary defines friction as the resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. We experience friction all around us, from the people at work to the people who won't leave the left lane when you're in traffic. Irritation and friction affect us every day. 
But probably the most significant area where we face friction these days is when our modern culture collides with our faith. They just don't play nice sometimes. I recently shared a series called Friction with our family of faith at Crossroads Community Church, and I would love to share it with you as well. This series has revolutionized our thinking about how we, the body of Christ, are to exist and engage the culture around us for the cause of Christ. It comes straight out of the book of Daniel. This month, we've created a special mini-series from the Friction series just for you, the Jesus is Real radio listener. Here's Josh with the info you need to get yourself a copy. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio through the month of May with a gift of $25 or more will receive a special three-part mini-series that was taken from the Friction series that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. To receive your three-CD set from the Friction series, simply visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you'll have the opportunity to give a one-time gift or support Jesus Is Real Radio on a monthly basis. Please remember, every bit of support you provide helps us continue and expand what God is doing through Jesus Is Real Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, may God bless.